privilege to direct middle school ministries here at Faith Covenant Church. I'm just going to organize myself for just a second. Thank you. Uh, if you've been here before, you'll notice we have some new decor up here in the sanctuary. Uh, we have been going over healthy missional markers that the Evangelical Covenant Church has set out for us. And these are, we've been going over for about the last month and a half, and these are reminders of what they are. Um, so far, we've gone over centrality of the Word of God, intentional evangelism, life-transforming walk with Jesus, global perspective and engagement, active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries. Last week, um, Kurt spoke about compelling Christian community. And this week, we're going to be discussing worship, heartfelt worship. And uh, <clears throat> the one thing to remember about these are these are a strategic outflow of how we are doing with loving God and loving our neighbors. They give us insight as to how we're doing in relation to our world, to our community, to one another, and to with God, and with God. Heartfelt worship is, is a fantastic gauge because it really lets us know how we're doing in relationship with God. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day where we get to come together, to worship together, to praise your name, to lift you up. I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would like us to hear today. Let it sit deeply within us and let it affect our walks. In Jesus' holy name we pray these things. Amen. Heartfelt worship is our response to a powerful God who loves us deeply. One of my earliest memories of worship is being in the sanctuary at the church where I grew up. And I would stand on the pew next to my mom. I was much shorter then. <laughs> and my mom would, would uh, run her fingers along the words so that I could keep track of where we were in the hymnal. And it was, it was such an immense experience, this community of believers raising up their voices as one voice. And, and I would be standing there with the tender touch of my mom, and it is such a powerful memory for me. Not all of the powerful memories I have of worship are, such jo are so joy-filled. I remember one time we were singing a song called Pass It On. Some of you may remember it. At one point, you come to the, the line where it says, I'll shout it from the mountaintop. And in kids' church, we would shout at the top of our lungs, praise God. And so that's what I did. And that's the moment I discovered they didn't do that in big church. <laughs> now, to this community of believers, I am sure that that brought a lot of joy to the people, to hear this young child shout at the top of their lungs, praise God. But to me, I heard a bunch of people laughing at me, and I was so embarrassed and so filled with shame over that, that I just dug into my mom's side, that comfort, that sanctuary of her tender touch. I was glad it was right there next to me. Worship 
It's not always easy. How are we supposed to come and worship when we've just been in conflict with someone, with our spouse or a sibling or a, or a child? You know, how are we supposed to come and worship when we don't like the music that we're hearing? Or, or when we're sad? Or when we're angry with God? Or when we're feeling shame? Worship can be hard. But the good news is, is that worship is about bringing all we have to God, the good and the bad, because we have a God who is powerful enough to handle everything we bring his way. And it's our job to find a way to worship through all circumstances. See, we were created by God to worship. It's our job. And if we can't find a way to worship through our sadness, through our pain, through our shame, we're going to end up finding something else to worship. In Exodus 32, there's an excellent example of that. It's at the beginning of your Bible. God has just, you know, put Moses in charge of the Israelites. He has pulled them out of Egypt being chased by armies. He's opened the Red Sea for them to walk across in dry land. They're in the desert. They're out at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses has gone up to the top and left the Israelites there at the base of Mount Sinai. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And they do something that is very easy to do. They get impatient. And they start grumbling in their impatience. And so Aaron, who is Moses' brother and who's been helping Moses lead the people, decides, all right, guys, bring me all of your gold jewelry, all of your gold. And he melts it down and he shapes a golden calf and puts it in front of the people. And he says, I want to quote it correctly, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Sounds a little silly. The earrings that they were wearing are the gods that brought them out of Egypt. Now, we may not bow down at a golden calf, but we have our own idols that we worship. Status. You know, how are we doing in comparison to one another? We, we worship people, celebrities, or someone you really look up to. We worship stuff. And... A, it's, it's all in a way because we're fearful or, or we're sad or we're angry. We're, we're fearful we're not going to be good enough. I think one of the most destructive forms of illegitimate worship is addiction. It's where not only are you not willing to bring everything you have before God, but you're running from it yourself and you're hiding in a cycle that is going to bring you no relief. We attempt to gain control when we struggle with these emotions of fear and shame and guilt. And heartfelt worship is an outward expression of an inward relinquishing of control to the God who created the universe. A God who's big enough to handle it all. We have to be willing to worship God in our own wilderness journeys, no matter what we're going through. 
And we need to take comfort in his sanctuary, the sanctuary of his love, and the fact that we can trust that he has what is best for us. Heartfelt worship is our response to a powerful God who loves us deeply. How powerful do we really believe God is? It's an important question because he is, we have to question, you know, excuse me, stumbling over my words. It's my own wilderness journey right here. <laughs> is he capable of handling the situations that life is throwing at you? Is he capable of handling your anger and shame? And the short answer is absolutely. He's the God who created the universe. He created you. He knows what's best for you. He opened up the Red Sea and had his people walk across on dry land. It shouldn't have happened, but he created that opportunity for them. He's the God who, out of his compassion, sent his only son here to be the greatest sacrifice the world has ever seen so that we can be in relationship with him. This is a God who can handle it all. He wants us to bring worship to him, not just with the good parts of our lives, not with just our joy and our pleasure, but the entirety of our lives. Deuteronomy 4.6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When we are worshiping fully, it becomes an outpouring of everything we do. We can't help but share that. When we worship, we are to worship with all our hearts, even the broken parts. And when we worship, we're to worship with all of our souls, even the hurting parts. And when we worship, we're to worship with all our strength and not compare our strengths with the strengths of the people sitting next to us. God knows what we're going through, and he knows where our worship is coming from. But it takes a relinquishing of control. It takes humility to open ourselves up to a God who cares deeply for us, a God who understands that it is in our best interest to worship him fully and completely. But worship, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. This is a moment-by-moment lifestyle. The activities that he spoke of in Deuteronomy are mundane daily activities, walking, talking, sitting, lying. These are the times we're to be sharing worship 
with our Father, our Heavenly Father, and the people around us. Worship is a response to a powerful God who loves us deeply. And with this as a gauge, we can begin to understand how healthy our rhythms, the rhythms we have in our relationship with God are. It's something I struggle with. When I'm here and home, when I'm mom to three teenagers, and I'm driving them around, and I'm shopping, and and I'm coming here, and I'm trying to run a ministry, I forget about my daily rhythm with God. I forget to check in with my personal stuff that I'm going with through and the people who've shared with me. So I've got, I want to tell you a little bit about my summer this summer. I got a chance to go to the Sawtooth Mountains with my family. And it was such a great reminder to me how my rhythms had become unhealthy. Because while we were out there, we spent four days in the backcountry backpacking. And as the distractions drifted away, because there were no electronics, there were no cell phones, there were no people pulling on us for our time. It was unadulterated family time. And as we're in there and all those distractions are falling off, I began to become really cognizant of the smells of the feel of the sunshine, of these mountains that just rose up so dramatically, and the lakes that, I don't know how deep those lakes were, but they were deep, and they were crystal clear, and they were so blue. And every cell in my being just started to worship the God that created all this, that not only created this immense beauty, but created me and understood me to the core and knows me deeply and personally and chooses to love me anyway. (laughs) And one morning we, uh, we woke up, it was our last morning, and we woke up and we climbed out of our tents and it had snowed. Hadn't snowed a whole lot, but This rock, this giant mountain that lifted up right out of the lake was just dusted with the snow. And it was was the most gorgeous thing. And as we hiked out, I was grieving a little bit because I knew I was leaving it all behind. But I try and keep those pictures in front of me so that I can remember part of my daily rhythm needs to be my time with God. Needs to be recognizing the good things that he's doing in my life and in the lives of the people around me. Worship needs to be a daily practice. And even though it needs to be a daily practice, it is also so important that we come together and worship as a community of Christ. Because God created us to worship, but he also created us to be in community with one another. And it's our privilege to come together and worship. And it's, it's not just about what happens up here. It's not about the, the strengths that Greg and the worship teams bring up here and the weak guitar strings. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about everything we do as a community. That's why if you'll notice on, on your bulletins, we worship in song, 
We worship in word and we worship in offering. And it's about how we, we go out and we build sheds as a community. That is a form of worship. It's about the entirety and it's about what happens to us together and what happens to us between us and God. Because worship is our response to a powerful God who loves us deeply. One more story about the wilderness. I was down at Mount Adams one time. And, and Mount Adams is just a gorgeous place. It's like all the beauty of Mount Rainier with like a quarter of the people. And from there we could see Mount Rainier and we could see Mount St. Helens. Not only could you see Mount St. Helens in the distance, but you could see some of Mount Helens on the ground in the ash that still lays there. Now, I remember as a child going and visiting Mount St. Helens shortly after its eruption, and I remember the desolation. There was, it seemed like there was no life left. There were cars that had been crumpled like they were just pieces of paper. It was all gone. And there on, on Mount Adams, as I stood and I took in Mount St. Helens and the ash on the ground, what I saw were wildflowers coming up through the ash. And I saw trees on the side of the mountain that in winter were under the full weight of the snow. In the spring and fall were in the full weight of the wind that would rip across the mountain. The side of the mountain had been carved out by the immense power of the glaciers and, and the streams that would flood. Yet, the trees and the flowers, even in the immense destruction that was around them by the natural elements, still reached towards the heavens. That's what they do, and that's what we need to do. Even amongst everything we're experiencing, we need to be reaching to the heavens and praising the God who created us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God worthy of praise. That you created us and know the deepest parts of our being. I thank you for the world you have created around us. The community you have put us in. And may everything we do bring honor and glory to your name. Amen.